0: Hey, Jacob's World Podcast. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are in a series where we are following the children of Israel as they're moving away from a life of slavery to a life of freedom. And this week's message is just powerful. The principles we're going to discover have potential to change everything about your life, how you look at God, how you look at yourself, and how you relate to this whole thing of being a Christian. As we dive into the question of what it means to be a priest of God. I can't wait for you to discover these things with us. It's just going to be awesome. So I grew up in an environment that had priests. So I, I grew up Catholic. And I remember as a little kid going to church, I went to Catholic school, and being in awe of these men. And, and let me just say, before I dive too much into this, um, I grew up in Catholic church, and the priests who were part of my early childhood were great men. They were good men. They were safe men. It was a great experience. That was true for the nuns. And I'll be forever grateful for their impact on my life in so many ways. Uh, but I remember just being in awe of these guys because there was just this, this understanding that, that they were mysterious and they were somehow spiritually powerful. They had to stand on the altar and hold up the host. And, and, and you'd go and tell them the worst things you did, like chewing gum in school. I was a young kid. I don't know. Pretty wild. And, and they would then tell you to do something, and then they would forgive your sins. There was this understanding that somehow or another, they stood between you and God, because God was this big, crazy, scary dude, and, and you were not qualified. You didn't know enough. You weren't good enough. You had done bad stuff, and so you needed someone to kind of stand between You in God. Now, now for you, it might not have been a priest. Maybe for you, it was a pastor. Maybe for you, you know, it was a, a spiritual mentor or somebody in your life who you just thought... They have something I don't have. They have a connection with God that makes them. They're the people you call and say, hey, will you pray because the truth is you trust their prayers more than you trust your prayers. And and here's the thing. You look at other cultures and other religions, and this thing of having a priest, a holy man, a shaman, a priestess, whatever, is kind of hardwired into our understanding that somehow or another we know that by ourselves we are not qualified to go to God. We are not good enough. We don't know the right way. We, we need to either have a ritual, or we need to have a sacrifice, we need to have an offering, we need to have a certain prayer. And these these holy men, these priests, are people who stand in the gap. That's our understanding. Now, now here's the thing that might surprise you about where this message is going to go. And let me just warn you that my head and my heart is so full of this message this weekend that it might explode. And just to warn you, I'm going to talk really, really, really fast, okay? Because. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff here, and it's just, just, I've had to have this all week, and whew, this is good for me to get it out. Because when you understand the implications of the priesthood and what it actually means for you today, it should blow your mind. It should absolutely, this could change how you see God, how you see yourself, how you see meaning and purpose in life. The position, wow, it's just going to be awesome. So, so we're going to talk about this thing of priests, but here's the thing you need to understand about the priest. Is that we actually need a priest. You know what a priest is? I got a definition over here for priest. A priest is the bridge between me and God. It's just this understanding that that God really is. He is big. He is holy. He is just ultimate everything, and I'm not. And not only that, I have done some things that actually separate me from God, that have offended God, that that make it that I need someone who's going to go in there first with God and create a pathway, create a bridge for me, and that's what a priest does in the Bible. They, they they sometimes would use rituals, they would use prayers, they would bring sacrifice, and the whole understanding was that, that the priest was the bridge. One of the things the priest would do as well is they would go to God and God would tell them stuff for the people. So it'd say, Hey, I'm gonna give you a holy book and the priests are gonna read it and they're gonna interpret it, and then they're gonna come back and then tell you the kinds of things you're supposed to do. And so if I need to hear from God. I need a priest to go and say, "Hey, will you ask God about this, or will you give me some forgiveness for this, or will you you tell him to bless this, or I need help for this?" And so the whole understanding is, you need someone between you and God, and that's what a priest is. Now we're in this series called uh, Wanderings, and you know, we've been talking about the time when the children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness, and and how it started in Egypt, where for four hundred years they had been slaves, and now they're in this forty-year period where they're figuring out as a people and as individuals how to no longer live like slaves, but to live in the freedom that God intended them to have. Now, Now, this is the thing you need to understand, is that if you don't understand the role of a priest in your life, you're gonna keep living like a slave. In fact, understanding the role of the priesthood now, today, is one of the crucial things to give your life a level of freedom that you never could have imagined. I'm going to unpack that here in just a minute. So, so what God does is He comes and He, he gives them a new law. He, he says, this is the way you should live. Ten commandments, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to talk about that actually in three weeks. And, and, then, and then He also gives them a form of worship. Last week, Grant did an incredible job unpacking the tabernacle, this tent where they would go and they would meet. It was in the middle of the camp that God should be the center of your life worship should be the center of your life and that there are different religious things that happened in that tabernacle but here's one of the things you need to understand about the tabernacle for this week is the tabernacle is all about a desire to draw close to God but it's also about separations that keep us from knowing God and so so here's how the tabernacle worked the people could stand on the outside of the the tabernacle right and then and then the people inside a few male priests could go in and they could offer sacrifice. And then a few more special priests could go in and they could go on to what was called the holy place. And then there was this central place which was like the throne of God, the presence of God, where the Ark of the Covenant was. This was called the Holy of Holies. And only one dude could go one time a year into that place. And, and here's the deal. If he brought the sacrifices, he brought the prayers, he brought the needs for forgiveness in there, then the people, here's the deal, the people would know that they were forgiven, that they'd been heard by God if that priest came back out alive. And so the tabernacle was meant to be an earthly representation of a heavenly reality. And so hundreds of years later when they built the temple they built the temple built along that same structure. In fact there are a lot of Christian traditions that still build their churches based around that basic structure. And so the whole idea was that I want to draw near to God and God wants me to draw near to him but there's these barriers, there's these separation between me and God that I need a priest to bridge that gap. And so what God did in the Old Testament to the the children of Israel in the wilderness is he gave them a priesthood. It It says this, it said, God said to Moses, he said, then bring Aaron and your brothers and the sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons. And so he establishes the Levitical priesthood or the priesthood of Aaron. Now, If you read the first several books of the Bible, particularly the second part of Exodus and the first part of Leviticus, you're going to read a ton about the priests, how they're supposed to dress and how they're supposed to celebrate festivals and what kind of offerings and tons and tons of stuff about how the priests are supposed to keep themselves pure. But here's something you just need to understand about Aaron's priesthood. Okay, this might shock you. Aaron's priesthood was a complete failure. It never worked. It never got one one sin forgiven. It never got one prayer answered. It was an inadequate priesthood. Because what Aaron's priesthood was actually meant to do. Was to point to another priesthood. So just like so many things we're learning about the time in the wilderness. This was meant to be an example for us. A shadow. A foretaste. So that when the true priesthood came. When the real priesthood came. We would recognize it. And so everything about Aaron's priesthood just didn't work. Aaron's priesthood was not acceptable primarily, listen now, because Aaron was not acceptable. You see, in in Aaron's priesthood, what he had to do is say, okay, the people need forgiveness. So I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get forgiveness. But before I do, I'm going to offer a sacrifice for myself because I'm part of this people and I've sinned too. And so he had to go in with his own sins. And because of that, he was never an acceptable priest. And so, so he was not acceptable. He didn't bring an acceptable sacrifice. He brought dead animals dead, 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 dead things, uh, uh, drink offerings, and all kinds of things like that. But, But it wasn't. And he didn't accept to do it in an acceptable way because the earthly tabernacle was not where this process of priesthood needed to take place. I'm going to explain that here in just a minute. And so the entire Aaron's priesthood was inadequate. And that should blow your mind because this example was given, was lived out for hundreds of years. In fact, Just understand that that, that this wilderness experience of worshiping in this tabernacle, this was done in the desert. So just imagine on holy days when they were doing sacrifices. Imagine the dust and the the smell of the animals coming in. Imagine the the sounds coming out from the altar of the animals being sacrificed. Imagine the smell of burning for, for, for days sometimes. Imagine the blood. That would roll out into the heat of the, 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 the desert sun. This was, a, this was a visceral thing. It was God's way of saying that to offend a holy God was a big deal. And sacrifice was, was, was needed. And yet the book of Hebrews is exceedingly clear about that. That we should not think that any of the blood of the goats and the bulls had any effect in forgiving any sins. It was meant to be a sign of something else more perfect that was coming. When they built the temple hundreds of years later and and they followed the same basic pattern of the tabernacle, they actually put drains under the altar and the drains would go off into a place called the Kidron Valley where where, where the blood would roll out from there. At this point, hundreds of thousands of people making sacrifices. And so this thing of sacrifice was not just a minor thing. It was a huge thing. It was a thing that was going to make an impression on you. And all of that under Aaron was incomplete, was ineffective, was meant to point to something else. Now here's the good news, and again, this should blow your mind. There was another priesthood. Now now, go ahead and let's look at this passage way back in Genesis. Genesis being the first book in the Bible. So I want you to notice, hey, we're going to get in the deep end of the pool here. Can I not spoon feed you for a minute? You keep up, right? Put your phones away. All right, so here's the deal. There's a better priesthood that's been given. Way at the beginning, we're going to talk about this guy named Melchizedek. He shows up in the beginning. Three times he shows up. At the very beginning, in the middle, and at the end. And this is what it says. This guy Abraham, who lived 400 years before the wilderness wandering, he was the father of the entire Jewish nation. So everybody came from Abraham. So so you know, Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Aaron. And so their understanding would be, a biblical understanding would be, is that an entire nation is inside this guy called Abraham. Now this guy Abraham was returning from a battle that he'd won with a lot of plunder, and this is what happens. It says, and Melchizedek, now understand this word Melchizedek, this is the name of the dude, Melchizedek, it means righteousness. And so this dude called righteousness, king of Salem, the word Salem means peace. So this is the king of righteousness and peace. Now, ordinarily, when you get a name like this, you'd get, okay, this is Joseph, son of Jeremy. This is, you know, um, Abraham, son of whoever. And, 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 and so you notice that this person has no son of on him. And so there's something weird about that. It jumps out in the Hebrew. Okay, where did this guy come from? There's a mystery about this king of righteousness, this king of peace. And it says he brought out bread and wine. Now, who else do you know who did some stuff with some bread and wine? All right? Who was known as righteousness and peace? All right? A lot of debate about who this Melchizedek was. But I just kind of think we know who it is. Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of righteousness, king of peace, brought out bread and wine. And he was a priest, a mediator, not just of a tribal God, not just of a regional God, but of the most high God. Now, you need to understand that the ancient people during the time of Abraham, they thought there were a lot of gods. And they thought they were kind of regional and that the people in the town or village would have their own God. So like Bloomer would have their own God, right? I wonder what that would be like, you know, I don't know. Mascot or something like that. Chippewa Falls, Eau Claire, Elk Mound, you'd all have your own gods. And the understanding was that if you make your God happy, he will bless you. And if your God's powerful enough, you can go up against another people, and their gods will beat each other up even as you're beating each other up. But this God is the most high God. He's the God who's above that. And some people would have said, oh, that's too much for me. You know, I'm just going to hang out with my regional God. He's safe. I feel like I'm good enough for that. I don't want to get all fancy with the most high God, the one who is above all the other gods. But this is the priest, the king of righteousness, king of peace, who comes with bread and wine to worship the most high God. And look what it says it happens. It says, and he blessed Abram and said, blessed be Abram. Abraham's name is going to be changed to Abraham, which means father of the great nation, by God most high possessor, that is to say, owner, boss, controller, master, creator of heaven and earth. So this is the God who made everything, who owns everything, who is bigger than any concept of God they would have had. And so this Melchizedek shows up out of nowhere, never mentioned before that, is only going to be mentioned two times after that, you have to see this. Verse 20. And blessed be God, Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abram gave a tenth of everything to this priest of Melchizedek as an act of worship, as an act of submission, as an act of of drawing to the Most High God. And here's what you would need to understand, is that in their understanding, is that Abram submitted to the Most High God. And listen, all the descendants after that submitted to, including Aaron who was of another priesthood, but was of a lesser priesthood because this priesthood is more ancient, it's more true, it's more pure, and what we're going to see is that the priest of Melchizedek is actually going to be an acceptable priest. And so what we see here is this. Now, now, Melchizedek goes quiet. We don't hear anything else about him. No one teaches him. No one references him until hundreds of years later where this guy by the name of David is writing Psalms. And in Psalms 110, this is what's called a messianic psalm so it's a psalm predicting the coming of the savior the messiah the righteous king and it says this he says the lord now notice it's all capitalized if you were here a couple of weeks ago you heard Shua's message wherever you see lord all capitalized that is the proper name of god that is yahweh that is the great i am the one who says i am that i am this is him he said so the the god of the burning bush the god of the early part the god who is the god of wilderness said to another lord And so my Lord said to another Lord, okay, what's going on there? He said, sit at my right hand. Wow, that's an honor. So you get to sit at the right hand of God, and that means you whisper in the hands the of, ear of God. It means you have an intimate relation with God. It means that that you have the favor of God that you can then share with other people who have found favor with you. And so he says, my Lord Yahweh said to the Lord, said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make my, your enemies a footstool. So there's going to be a conquering king who's going to come like Melchizedek, and then skip down to verse 4, another prophecy from one ten. It says, the Lord has sworn, so this is an oath, and will not change his mind to the Messiah who's coming. He says, you are a priest. And so the Messiah is not only going to be a king, he's also going to become a priest. Are you following? He's going to be a priest. You see where we're going, right? All right, keep following, some of you don't. The Lord has sworn and will not change your mind. You are a priest forever after the order of righteousness. After the order of Melchizedek. So the second time that Melchizedek is mentioned. Is during a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. And so what happens is. We don't hear anything about Melchizedek. Until hundreds of years later. In the book of Hebrews. Where all of this is explained. And it's explained in that the the, the fulfillment of all this. Is the fulfillment that comes in Jesus. Let's skip ahead to Hebrews chapter uh, 4. So this is what we need to know about this. Go back to the last part. Let's slide it again. There is a great high priest who's in the order of Melchizedek, and he is Jesus. And when we come to God, we do not come in Aaron's name. We do not come in our own name. We don't come in the name of being Catholic or Baptist or evangelical or Jacob's well. We come to God in Jesus' name. Let's take a look at what it says in the scriptures, Hebrews. And again, first part of the Bible mentions it, middle part of the Bible it shows up at the end of the Bible, and it all fits together. This is what blows my mind about people who are not amazed at the Bible. Some people say, I just think a bunch of dudes got together and made that thing up. <laughs> what? Separated by hundreds of years, different authors, different cultures, different times. you out of your mind. Unless they had a time machine... They couldn't have pulled this off. And and so what you see is this. It said, so, writer of Hebrews says. Remember, Hebrews is crucial to understanding the Old Testament. And particularly the wilderness wanderings. He said, so also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest. But was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And so God sent his one son to be the king, to be the savior. And he became also one of his roles, the high priest, the mediator, the bridge that I needed for me to get to God. Go on to the next verse. As he has said also in another place, and this is what he said about Jesus, he took the prophecy of Melchizedek from the Psalms and he quoted it and applied it to Jesus. You, Jesus, are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so what that means is, is that the priesthood, the priesthood has been satisfied in Christ. And so the whole idea is this. Jesus came down to earth and he lived among us. But unlike Aaron, he didn't sin. And because he didn't sin, he could go into the father in his own name. He could say, father, I'm here. I'm Melchizedek. I'm righteous. And I've come to make peace between you and your people. And, and because he did not sin, he was an acceptable sac- he was an acceptable priest. And he said, "And Father, I bring a sacrifice." You said, "What was the sacrifice? Well the sacrifice was Jesus, and his death on the cross, the perfect lamb of God." So when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, "Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, all those bulls, all those goats, all that blood that flowed out of the temple, worthless, didn't, didn't, didn't create any kind of forgiveness. But this lamb who was slain, it shows you how significant the death and the sacrifice of Christ is. He said, behold the lamb of God. And so the perfect priest came and said, here's my perfect sacrifice. Now in the Old Testament, the people of God would know that God had not forsaken them because the priest would come back out of the holy tent alive. And so Jesus, after his death on the cross, he was risen from the dead and some women wanted to come up to him. And he said, hey, don't touch me yet. Because I've not yet been to my Father. That is to say, as the high priest, the great high priest, I have not yet brought this perfect sacrifice into the heavenly place. And then he goes to the true tabernacle, the true tab- temple, which is in heaven, and to the true throne of God, and he presented himself and the sacrifice. And we know the sacrifice was accepted because he came back resurrected alive. See, that's the power of the resurrection. It means our sins are forgiven. We have access with God. We now can go to God through Jesus Christ directly. And we go in Jesus' name. Look what the scriptures say in the rest of Hebrews. Chapter 4. It said, since then we have a great high priest, who Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. He's gone up to the heavenly realms. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our faith, to our confession, to what we believe. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness because Jesus became human. He gets what it is to struggle. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So he is the acceptable priest giving the acceptable sacrifice. Verse 16. Let us then with confidence. With confidence. The Greek word there means with boldness. Not with arrogance, but with boldness, drawn near to the throne of grace. That is to say, when we go to forgiveness, we need forgiveness, we can just go and and, and and we find forgiveness that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. You see, we have been given new access by the new priest into watch this a new and living way. Let's go to the next slide. The new and living way is through Jesus Christ. And this is what you need to understand. The way we access God in Christ now is the new and living way as opposed to the old and dead way. What that means is when I hate forgiveness, I go before God and I would never say to God, hey God, I'm here. I'm Paul. I've tried to be good this week so I need some forgiveness. I need some help. And God would say, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Say, hey hey, hey God, I'm coming in Paul's name. Is that good enough? You know what he says? He said, No. You haven't been righteousness. You're not the right priest. You haven't offered the right sacrifice. And your good behavior is a dead sacrifice. Oh, but I went to church. I got confirmed. I got baptized. I did a bunch of rituals. I gave some money to the poor. Participated in living well. Oh, that's it. I'm going to come give that as a sacrifice. And God said, that's a dead sacrifice. You don't understand. I'm an American. That comes for something. Or or you know what? I'm, I'm I'm a Baptist or I'm a Catholic or I'm a confirmed or whatever it is. And he says all of that, all of that is the old dead way. And so when I come to Christ in need of forgiveness, in need of prayer, in need of insight for him to open the scriptures, my heart, my mentality, and sometimes my words are, Jesus, hey, God, here's the deal. I am a sinner. I have nothing to offer you that would not be an offense and an insult. I have nothing to offer you. But here's the deal. Jesus, who's right there at your right hand, he said, if I came to you in Jesus' name, that he would bring a sacrifice as the righteous high priest and you would receive me. And the son looks at the father and he says, son, is this one of yours? He said, this is one of mine. He's put his confession, his faith and trust in me. And so the father says, what do you need? I need forgiveness. I forgive you. I need power in my life. I need power in my life. I need to come. And here's the deal. Please hear this. this. is where I'm going to offend some folks, but deal with it. Here's the deal. The only prayers that are answered in all of humanity are prayers that come in Jesus' name. That means other people who are praying in some other God or some other way, even Christians who pray in their own righteousness, trying to convince God that they've been good enough, are trying to earn his love, are trying to earn his goodness. those are all prayers in your name or church name or religion's name. The only prayers that are come are the broken, grace filled prayers that say, Jesus, I need you, and you're my only hope. Look at the new, what the Bible says about this new and living way. It says, therefore, therefore, because of what we said, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the holy places. That is to say where only the priest used to be able to go and the high priest used to go. We can now go into the actual throne room of God. That's what prayer is. We go into the throne room of God with confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, perfect sacrifice, and by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh. So what's going on there is in the temple there was this big thick curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And when Jesus died, the Bible says that curtain ripped from the top to the bottom. You might have read that in the Bible or heard that somewhere. But that means, first of all, is that God ripped it from the top down. And what God was saying is, the separation is done. You don't need any more ritual. You don't need any more you know, uh, religion. You don't need any more temples or, or holy places or holy men. All you need to do is come in Jesus' name. And you will be received as a son, as a daughter. It goes on from there. It says, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. That's what prayer is. I can have intimacy with God, friendship with God, with a true heart full of assurance of faith. Not because of what I've done, I got my religion right, or I prayed the right way. It's because all I've got is that I can go in Jesus' name. And so what we need to understand is that we access the love of God in Jesus' name. Now, now here's the deal. As if all of this was not enough, it's taken it a step further. Because now, in Christ, those of us who have found forgiveness as Christians by going to God through Jesus, the new and living way, in Jesus' name, we now, listen, this is just going to blow your mind, blew my mind. We have been appointed as priests of God. Look what it says here. In the book of First Peter. It says, there's a priesthood of believers. We are a nation of priests. Look what it says here. It says, but you church, you people of God, you people who will put your faith in Christ, you are a chosen race. You're chosen for a purpose. Okay, my people have been chosen. You are a royal priesthood. That is to say, you are part of the priesthood of God. That is to say, because you can now go into the presence of God in Jesus' name, you can be a bridge to others Who have not yet found the Father. Look at this. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for God's own possession. A people belonging to God. For what reason? Look what he says. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so you are now part of the priesthood of believers. You can stand in the holy place and say. What does that mean? So so we want to ask the question. What does it mean that we are. Priests of God, what does the priesthood of believers mean? Well, it means several things. The first thing it means is that we can go directly for God to forget for forgiveness. That you don't need to go to confession, you don't need to come talk to me. I don't want to know. I'll help you if you need help. That certainly will do that. But but you don't need to, like, you know, I got to tell you so you can tell God, and then you tell me what to do to make up for it, and then I'll get forgiveness. It's nothing like that. I can go directly to God. And let me just ask you right now here today have you? I mean, have you been to the Father in Jesus' name? Now, some of you say, I went to church, I thought that was the thing. Well, that's religion's name. Well, I'm a pretty good person, and I feel like I'm good enough for God. Well, that, you're going in your name. You say, I got confirmed, I got baptized, I got this, I got that, you know. But maybe for the first time, some things are clicking that I am a sinner. And I I am am due to face an eternity outside of the presence of God. That's called hell. And the only chance I have of getting it is not becoming religious, not becoming good, not making up for the good, bad things I've done, because I can't even stop the bad things that I'm currently doing. I'm a mess. And so my only hope is to go and say, Father, in Jesus' name, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? If you need to do that right now, pray this prayer with me. Let this prayer be your prayer. Heavenly Father, I need your forgiveness. I have sinned. And in arrogance, I thought I was good enough. In arrogance, I thought... Religion could get me there or doing good works. But I see now I need a new and living way. And so I put my faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. I put my faith in his sacrifice. I come to you in Jesus' name. It's my only hope. Will you forgive me? Will you come in my life? Will you begin to change me? Will you be my Lord and Savior? I ask this in Jesus' name. Now, now if you just prayed that prayer... That means that you have become a son and daughter of God, that we become brothers and sisters. So I want you to hear this. I'm not a holy man in the sense that that we have holy men. I'm not not a priest except in the fact that I'm a priest the way you're a priest. I don't have a special access to God that you got to come through me. You say, well, you teach the Bible and all those kinds of things are your pastor. I do that because I work at it. Anything I do, you could do anything i understand from here you could understand because when you when you become a follower of jesus first of all god becomes your father you you can have an intimate relationship you can learn to pray You can learn to be with God in his presence for the joy of it, and that transforms you. And and with that, then, he's going to send his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you through word and through music and through his word. It can come alive. He'll start convicting you of sins he wants to see out of your life and calling you to glorious, righteous, good things in your life. He will change you when you spend time with him in Jesus' name. That's what it means to be a priest for God. It also means you can pray and mediate for other people. That is to say, you can go and you can start saying, hey, I got a brother and sister who I think knows you and and they've had a relationship with you, but they've forgotten you. They have drifted away. And they could come to you, but they're not coming to you. So I come in Jesus' name on their behalf. Will you you help them? Will you bless them? Will you call them? You can pray for people who don't know Christ. I wonder what would happen if every person who's a follower of Christ in this this room chose for the next six months, I'm gonna pray for three people that God puts on my heart who don't know Christ. And I'm going to invite them, I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to try to love them. And and I I, I might even tell them my story and tell them how they can have a relationship with Christ. Why? Because you're a priest of God. You, You know and you mediate, you can bring the message of God from the holy place to you. Some of you say, oh, I'm not good enough, I could never do something like that, I'd be embarrassed. Listen, try this evangelism approach. Go to someone and say, hey, I want to tell you about who God is in my life and who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And they say to you, ah, who are you? You're a hypocrite. You say, that's exactly right. I am a hypocrite. I am a liar. I have been full of lust and greed and brokenness. I am selfish and I'm not what I should be. But if the God of all creation could forgive me and Jesus and he could bring me into his family as broken as I still am, well, then there's hope for you too. And you could know God. See, we don't go to someone to share Christ based on how righteous we've become. We go in our brokenness, talking to them about how righteous Jesus is. And so, 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 we point: your brokenness is actually an advantage because they can relate with you. No one can relate with a self-righteous. Anyway, another sermon, another day. But but here's the deal: last thing we could say is is just this: is that, that the Word of God could come alive to you. Because you can go to the Father. And the Bible says, when Jesus said, I'm going to go to the Father, and when I do, you come in my name, and the Father will give you the Spirit. And the Spirit will teach you all things. You can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to have a message. A shoe, our youth guy, is going is to bring an incredible message on the Holy Spirit. I've heard it. It's, it's amazing. It'll blow your mind. But it, but it all comes from this relationship of worship that comes out of the temple, that comes out of the Holy of Holies. And so what are we supposed to do with a message like this? Well, the first thing is, is to just recenter our life on our relationship with God based on in Jesus' name. Some of you have been saying, you know, I haven't been going to God lately because I haven't been doing what I should. And I'm just embarrassed. I think, you know, i disappoint him. Go in Jesus' name. Just go in Jesus' name. Because that's what qualified you to go. It's, ah, I've let him down. He knew you were going to let him down when he saved you in the first place. He, he knew you're not all you're supposed to be. Listen, hear this closely because you can misunderstand it. God is not amazed at who you are. He believes in who he's making you. And so he knew there were going to be up days, bad days, and he knew you were going to need to come every time. I mean, every time you go to the Father, every time you have no righteousness to add to him, you know, you go in Jesus' name. That's why we we bring dead things to God. God, I did this bad thing, but look, here, I'm making up for it. Sorry. And he's saying, what's that? My son has already paid for that. Why would you bring this, this? This weird half-hearted self-effort offering, thinking somehow or another, I'm going to love you more. I'm going to have a better relationship. It just doesn't work like that. But instead, we come in Jesus' name. And so, accept the salvation in every aspect of your life. Some of you, maybe you need to do the baptism thing. Because the baptism thing is a celebration. It doesn't make you righteous. It celebrates that you are are righteous in Christ. It doesn't bring you peace with God. Christ did that. It celebrates the peace that I was dead. I was buried with Christ. I died with Christ, buried Christ, and I'm going to rise with Christ in eternity. It's a celebration of that. Maybe for you, it's about, man, this priesthood stuff is blowing my mind. And I got to tell you, in in, in like about chapter 6 through 10 in the book of Hebrews, a ton of it is about the priesthood. And I got to like 10% of it in this message. Like 10%, I mean, I just, it drives me crazy that I can't keep going. But, but there's like 10%. And if you were to look at that and you were to think deeply in context of this, ma- this, this message, it would blow your mind, what we have been given. When you understand who he is and who we are, and now we can access that. And that the writer of Hebrews is amazed with this. He's blown away with all of this. Maybe for you, it's about prayer. You're recognizing for the first time the foundation of prayer is in Jesus' name. And here's the deal if prayer's not establishing your life as a follower of Christ, you're not going to grow much. And you're leaving the best part of Christianity on the table. Your relationship with God in prayer. So I don't know how to pray. Get on right now media. You can find it on the website if you haven't found it. Get to the resource center and say, What's the best thing you got on prayer? Because I recognize I, I, prayer's not a burden that I have to do a bunch of good things to, to get God to hear me. In the, in the old testament, the pagans used to hit rocks to get their God's attention. Like, like, oh, he's not paying attention to me. I better get hey, I'm down here. Our God is, is everywhere and over everything. We have a relationship with him in that way. Maybe the last thing you could do is you could mediate for someone who needs Christ. Just, just begin to pray. God, God, God Spirit may be speaking to you at this moment. Pray for this person. Pray for this person. Pray for this person. You're going to write down those names, and every day you're just going to pray for them. And you'll be amazed. God will start creating opportunity. He, he might actually bring some struggle in their life. You say, so arrogant. This person is so against God. You know what breaks that down is how real life gets. And then all of a sudden, they're looking around and saying, oh, yeah, that person has something I don't have. It changes everything. See, you're a priest of God. You want to talk about significance. You want to talk about meaning. You want to talk about importance. You were called to, to bring heaven to earth. You know, when Moses went in the presence of God... The Bible says he was transformed and his face shone and it freaked out the people so he had to wear a veil. But the Apostle Paul says we now who go into the holy place should come out with unveiled faces. That is to say spending time with God in prayer changes us and people will notice. They'll say something different about you. There's something about it. It's the glory of God. And you only express the glory of God when you've spent time with God. and That's what prayer is. And so There's other steps for you to take. And so wherever you're on your journey this week, I just pray this has blown your mind as you recognize the significance of the priesthood of Melchizedek, the king of peace, the king of righteousness, who's created a new and living way by bringing the perfect sacrifice of the perfect priest. And now we are part of that priesthood as we make mediation for others who don't know Christ yet. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you and forgive us there are times we've come with our best efforts. There have been times we've tried to earn your love, tried to perform, tried to use religious ritual. And just like Aaron's priesthood, with all that effort, with all that 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 mess, even as Aaron's priesthood was ineffective, our efforts in ourselves are ineffective. Thank you that all of that points to a new and living way in Christ. Thank you Lord Jesus. That, 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 that in Christ we have the ability to go before you Father. And say I'm sorry will you forgive me. In Christ we have the ability to come near to you. And, and we can call you Father Father. Daddy, Papa, we can have an intimate love relationship with you through prayer. In Christ, we can mediate for brothers and sisters who could pray, but who are not praying for whatever reason. They just, the enemy has deceived them. We can pray for each other. Thank you that we can mediate for those ones who right now are friends and relatives and people we work with who are without God and without hope. We can mediate for them in Jesus' name. Thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit as priests of God, that we can see the word of God come alive together. And as we study it together, we will learn what you're trying to say to your people here in the Chippewa Valley in 2019. You're still speaking. Thank you that you are the most amazing God, most high, inaccessible without the perfect priest and the perfect sacrifice. We love you. We need you. Thank you, Jesus, for this new and living way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.